Welcome to the Kernel DeFi Podcast. My name is Sean DeManta, and I'm here to explore the past, present, and future of the DeFi industry with you. In this episode, we touch upon a discipline, design, which we haven't really talked about in our previous episodes with Tian Zhao, a former KB4 fellow with Kernel who has had quite a long history in the Web3 space, having started working in 2015, engaging with the likes of Vitalik Buterin, and all the way up until now, wherein he works at the intersection of climate, regenerative finance, and Web3. If you're interested in the design side of Web3, which is something that often does not get as much attention, but is equally as important when we think about onboarding the next 100 million, 2 billion users into Web3, you do not want to miss this episode. Hey, Dion, thanks for being on the podcast. Really excited to have you here. We uh, we know you're an expert on all things Web3 design, refi, and, and more. I would love to start off with a bit of a background. Could you just walk us through your story? What got you to here and what got you so passionate about refi and, and designing Web3? Sure. Okay. Uh, it's a bit of a long story though, because I've been in Web3 since 2015. Um, but uh, I'll try to uh, yeah, sum it up as best as I can. So um, yeah, in 2015, I was a university student at the University of Toronto, majoring in human factors engineering, um, and which is all about human-centered design. Um, and I always have to say that because every time people hear the word engineering, they automatically think software engineering, but not all engineering is software engineering. Anyway, uh, so I went to this hackathon in uh, Waterloo. Um, and at that hackathon, uh, it was just a regular student-run hackathon, uh, not blockchain-related or anything like that. Um, but Vitalik Buterin was there, and he gave a talk about Ethereum. Uh, so that was my intro, and uh, the rest you could say is history. But I would, but history is still in the making. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's been an exponential journey into this space. Uh, I, I went. Uh, the beginning part will be a, um, it, it is the most impactful because, yeah, not only did I hear him talk about Ethereum, but um, I also, so that was the same year he got accepted into this thing called the TO Fellowship, where he got uh, the top 20 under 20, right? Where he got the 100,000 USD from Peter Thiel to help uh, continue to build out Ethereum. Um, and so when I found out about that, I found out about uh, this thing called the TO Fund, um, the TO Summit, which was this conference series that the TO Foundation uh, operates or operated because um, they, 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 they did the top 20 20 as well as the conference series. And, um, I could, I wasn't able to qualify for the fellowship, but I was able to qualify for the summit. So I got accepted to that, went to that conference. Um, well, went to the second to last conference. They don't do it anymore. Uh, but uh, the one that I went to was in Las Vegas and Peter Thiel and Balaji Srinivasan were both there. Um, and Balaji, uh, he gave one of the keynotes and in his keynote, he focused on web three, Peter Thiel did not. Uh, but, um, so anyway, in Balaji's talk, he started it off with a video, uh, of a CNN interview of people talking about. Um, what email was back then. Um, and, you know, it was quite entertaining because, you know, they were all like, very perplexed. Um, and just like how Web3 is something people are perplexed about today. Um, and so after he showed us that little video, he then uh, proceeded to tell us that basically uh, the, the thing that stood out to me in that entire talk was Web3 will enable the next evolutionary step of the internet or is the next evolutionary step of the internet. Um, and so it just stuck with me. And I, ever since I came back, I hustled my way to do as much as I can, work on as many projects as I can, uh, and to, uh, of course, learn as much as I can. And um, um, and I was able to go from little hackathon projects or little uh, from like internships slash um, 
uh, freelance gigs work all the way up to eventually where I am today, where I am actually, however, in the midst of a transitionary or in yeah a transitionary period right now um, where I'm moving from Good Dollar to another Web3 startup. I have been since Kernel, uh, which... Um, so I've, since I've been in Web3 since 2015, I've, I've known about a lot of, I, I tried to do as much as I can to like, um, uh, stay on top of things. So I, I, I'm an optimizer. Uh, so yeah. I'm, could, uh, could you, uh, could you talk a little bit about my, your, your, your time in kernel and, um, how that might've either changed or informed your perspective, or at least reinforced some of the ideas that you've been thinking about? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just about to go into that. Yep. So uh, I found out about Kernel in the early day when, when they did their Genesis, uh, round, um, or cohort. Uh, but at that time, they were focused on getting developers. So since I wasn't one, I you know didn't even bother applying. Um, but then fast forward to uh, the, the KB4 cohort. Um, before I applied, I tweeted at them. I was like, hey, are you open to only, I mean, non-developers? And they're like, yeah, we're open to everyone. I'm like, oh, okay. So, um, oh yeah, and I knew about Colonel because I, I know uh, Scott Moore, who's from Toronto. I, I knew about him before he, right, right when he was building Gitcoin. Um, so, uh Anyway, I applied and interviewed and got accepted. Um, and so in that KB4 cohort, uh, I decided to finally take this idea that I've had since uh, back in 2017 um, to build it up. I tried my very best. Uh, I wasn't able to successfully build it out completely because at that moment in time, I was juggling a full-time job in the Web2 world, um, FinTech, uh, and some other uh, Web3 jobs on the side um, in order to continue to build out my portfolio uh, to prove my worth, so to speak. Um, uh, and then, and then, well, no, to demonstrate my passion. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, but, but I was able to build something out. Um, uh, and then like one person, one key member that I was able to find from, uh, sorry, one, I was able to build out a, a team, but then eventually, uh, uh, only one person stayed and, and he's still working with me, uh, from that cohort. I mean, I'm still working on it. Um, but it's just something I'm working on on the side. And it's, it's, it's this thing called Circonomy, which is a, a Web3 organization all about circular economics, um, because I saw a natural fit, a natural alignment between those two concepts um, ever since 2017. Because, um, uh, well, I don't know if you need me to go into it, but just briefly, someone when I explain this to someone uh, who, who also was into circular economies and Web3, um, she said, yeah, there's a natural fit because it's just basically about a digital twin. Um, like uh, our economy is, is uh, anyway, no, maybe I'll go into that a bit later, but anyway, um, is, is this going into like the negative externalities of, um, the economy and things like that? Um, or, or the reusability of things? It, I, I'm just trying to better understand. Wait. Yeah. I, I was just to say, well, like, um, so circular economy is really, uh, all about like our supply chain. Or, uh, right. Um, and so our supply chain right now is mostly a linear supply chain. Um, we, we extract resources from the global South and we, uh, create, um, stuff in the global North, uh, generally speaking, it's a leftover from the colonial era. Uh, right. Um, and so, uh, that kind of supply chain needs to be fixed. Um, and the solution is the circular economy. Uh, so trying to keep, uh, trying to not only focusing on recycling, but also upcycling, um, and uh, really, uh, the intersectionality between supply chain and blockchain has been something that has already been um, like widely discussed and, and uh, written about back in the summer of 2017. Right, that crypto summer, there was like so many body, uh, so many people writing um, articles and stuff about 
all the different blockchain use cases and supply chain was one of them. Um, and, and so like, and it just makes so much sense because they both have the word chain in them, but uh, I'm kidding. It's not just because of that. <laughs> um, but, but you know, like, I mean, it's, it's like a way to track these assets. Uh, there's digital provenance, uh, for the assets, right. And then like circular economy is, is, as you said, what was that word that you used? Um, reusability. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reusability. So I, I think these kind of, kind of the, uh, kind of from cradle to grave, uh, concept. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Um, so I feel like blockchain and, or the world of web, web three and, and circular economy are just like, um, there's, I just saw this natural, uh, alignment. Right. Um, and, and so I wanted to build something out in that world. Uh, cause I, I, okay. So now, um, why did I get into refi or why are, uh, I, I'm passionate about that is because at the end of the day, I'm just someone who's passionate about making the world a better place uh, in a sustainable, scalable and systemic manner. Um, and then, so when I first found out about refi was when I first found out about Celo and that was back in the summer of 20, uh, 2019 when I got accepted to the Celo Prosper retreat. Uh, so I applied to that. Uh, they, they organized the retreat in Northern California. I applied, got accepted, went. Um, and so uh, back then the, the word refi didn't exist, but at least, um, uh, I, I found out about um, the world, or rather, technically, refi existed even before Web three, but um, refi in a crypto context didn't exist at that time. Um, well, how, how do you define how do you define refi? I've heard a few different definitions, but I'd love to get your take since you were involved pretty early. Uh, great question. Um, I have to be fully honest. I I feel like I've internalized a lot of things in Web three because I, I just felt like I had to due to due to how fast everything is moving in this space all the time. And I like to keep on top of things, but like, I don't, oh, I, I actually don't really know how to articulate it myself. Um, uh, I mean, like the, 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 the basic answer. To, to, to me, to, to me, I hear almost like some of the concepts you talked about in the circular economy, um, a bit you were talking about earlier in terms of the word regenerative in me, in my, uh, from, from what I hear is, very different from perhaps what would be considered a kind of cold hard capitalist uh, wasting type economy effectively. Sure, so yeah. what, I, what I hear is regenerative renewing. It, and my understanding is that a lot of that has to do with the climate as well, uh, the impact of, on the climate. But yeah. I, is that fair? Is, is that a fair interpretation? Um, is, is there a broader picture that are at least I should take and some uh, some listeners in our audience should as well should better understand about it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I've always just equated refi as just like DeFi with social impact, basically. But like, yes, with the with the focus on climate change uh, specifically. Um, uh, but but I've always viewed the world of. I mean, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really it. And then um, there was a there was something I wanted to say earlier, but I, I didn't get to finish saying, and that is like why I decided to work on economy or, or build that concept out. Um, and I didn't really, really get to go into how the, how of it and the, what of it. But, um, one thing I just want to say about it is just that I've seen a lot. And this is actually since the summer of 2017, um, there has been a lot of uh, projects, uh, in the web three world about tackling climate change, but the majority of them are just carbon credits based. Uh, they're all about, uh, yeah, just sorry. And largely the the voluntary carbon credits market, right? Which is the subset of the carbon sure. credit yes, market. Yes, yes. So yeah, it's just like to me, I just like it's really not new. Like refi now to me is not like a new thing. Um, it's it's been around since the summer of twenty seventeen at the very 
I would say, I mean, at least documented, documentatedly, uh, not a word, but you know what I mean. Um, uh, uh, but, but it's just like a, a matter of, I, I mean, we all know like 2017 was like, um, the early, super early days. And so, um, there was no product market fit then, but then as, so we, yeah. And then we had the 2018 crypto winter. And then now as things got better, the technology got better, it's, uh, these, these use cases started to get more traction and stuff. Um, so, so it's really just a matter of timing. Um, uh, yeah. Um, but, but to me, I, I did not see it as anything new. I just saw it as like, yeah, better timing. Um, and, and, um, uh, so, so is, is the, do you think the major accelerant or like protagonist in this space driving it forward is Cello? Is that like the, is Cello like the singular force driving it forward and creating this new interest around refi over the last couple of years? Are there other players? That's a, that's a very good question. I, I, I think they are definitely one of the major players. Um, I, I don't know if they're the player. I, I don't think so. I mean, like I, I've been seeing recently, like Nier is getting into uh, refi too. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if I were to say what other leaders, uh, at the top of my head, um, I can't really say. Because I, I think the the cello make a claim of being carbon negative, right? They're like the only carbon negative L one. Yeah. Is there kind of claim to fame, yeah. basically? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then and then their whole like uh, climate collect uh, cooperative or collective uh, initiative um, really helped to raise awareness for this. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I'd love to um, dive into some of the designs as I set it up. I'll just uh, I'll set it up real quickly here, but uh, um, maybe we can go into your portfolio. Sure. And, and yeah, love, love if you could just talk a bit about how you think about designing Web3 as well, just taking a step back from some of the refi topics and the like. Sure, sure. Um, okay. Uh, my, oh man, it's, it, I, my take on Web3 design um, is I'm going to break it up into two dimensions. Um, if, you, if you could divide up the world of Web3 as like two different, uh, yeah, into, into two, I would say that there's like a, a fungible side and the non-fungible side. Um, so the fungible side would include uh, the DeFi world uh, and the refi world, of course. Um, and then and then the non-fungible side would mainly be uh, not just NFT marketplaces, for example, but like also NFT memberships, which is the thing we're seeing rising up now, right? Um, uh, so within the fungible dimension, uh, I've been seeing a lot of... Uh, this, this thing that is occurring that I think needs to be fixed. And that is, um, apart from actually, okay, before I even go into each of these, I just want to say like, generally speaking, uh, within the world of web three design, uh, no, actually within the world of the fungible side of things, um, th th there has already been a lot of designers talking about the need to, uh, be better at micro interactions and micro, uh, and, and micro copy, um, because. Yeah, like for education's sake, to, to teach people how to not make the uh, the wrong decision, to uh, yeah make wise decisions and, and stuff like that. Um, I'm not going to go into those because there's already enough documentation on that subject matter. It's just like um, I sum it up as basically improve the micro interactions of your designs. Uh, I'm sorry, of your products um, to ensure that people uh, yeah don't make mistakes um, and don't get recorded and blah 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 blah. Um, well, actually, maybe the recorded one is. is it's not so much a whatever 
But I'm going to say something that is that is separate from all of that, um, and that is uh, one thing I don't like about a lot of things I see in the, the fungible world is there's a lot of while there may be a lot of amazing landing page designs, so many DeFi projects have amazing designs in that respect. Um, great use of gradients, 3D animation, and typography. Uh, like those ink type design, uh, typography, like the one that was used for ETH Barcelona's uh, brand uh, marketing, um, or just, you, you know, like ETH Barcelona as a whole, like had, had that amazing typography. Um, or, or like the liquid, uh, liquid type, I think is what it's called. Um, like that, while that may be super appealing and beautiful and um, just, just awesome looking, as soon as you hit that enter app button, you're dropped into the actual product, but that product, in terms of its design, is just like, to be perfectly honest with you, shit. Like, compared to the landing page designs, you go from this amazing jaw-dropping design to, for the majority, a table. You see a table of information. And I just think to myself, why? I mean, I get it. But, it, but I also think it's 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 bad. So I, I, I get a part of why. Sorry, not, I don't get 100% why. But part of the why I get is just, okay, you're trying to appeal to the people who are already familiar with finance, um, with the finance bros or the, or just the, you know, the traders, right? Um, so yes, obviously traders, they like to see tables. But don't we say that Web3 is supposed to be about democratizing the internet, making it more equitable, um, financial inclusion. Don't we say all these like, like um, goody goody things about the world of web three and how it's supposed to fix a lot of problems of web two and uh, fix the financial centralization problems of web two. Well, if we say that about web three, then the design I think should reflect the philosophy, the ethos and the marketing of web three. And so, if you want to get people who are not just already into finance, who are already experienced with trading and stuff into the world of DeFi, which already carries a lot of baggage of, you know, fear and uh, like FUD, right? Um, then why show a table? In that respect, it doesn't make sense. Be more creative. Do do something that's not just a friggin' table. <laughs> So, 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 so most of them are basically looking like FTX, uh, for example, or the like, just like a, a table I mean, of like, line charts effectively. Yeah. Or like, okay, it, not to, like, I know the designer behind this one as she's in the kernel community, but like, I don't mean any offense, but element finance, for example, um, it's a table. Um, and, uh, so Tina apologies here, but I kind of think, mm, you know, mm, um, I'd say even Uniswap effectively is just a, uh, it's basically yeah. a, <laughs> a, 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 a yeah, two row yeah. table like, effectively. Exactly. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and if you go to the, well, I'm not going to connect my wallet here, but yeah, if you, if you look at the charts and things like yeah. that, it's basically yeah. just the table. And so, and I get, yeah. get that product design is not just about the visual and I get that there's also an, an aspect, the aspect of feasibility is something I think a lot of people need to. Uh, understand that it, like design they hear the word design and they automatically think oh pretty looking things uh rainbows and kittens and and 
what is it? Just like glittery goodness, right? They, these are the kind of images people think when they hear the word design. Um, so I'm not saying that we just need to put some glitters and some like illustrations in the product. So, so, so you're, you're talking more about the UX side yeah. versus the UI, right? The kind of, because yeah. people overly focus on the UI. I, I think there's like a meme around there where like all Web3 yes. sites have some yes. sort of gradient, yes. right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I also just want to say like, I, there is this feasibility aspect too. It's like, yes, tables are also easy to code, uh, easier than something brand new because, well, there's existing frameworks for that, coding frameworks for that. So, so I get that, but I think like, Again, if we want to push the push the envelope here of the internet as Web three builders and designers, then we should actually try to do that. Um, and and so, like one thing that I do see and that we've taken inspiration at with Tempest, for example, so Tempest Finance um, uh, uh, is um, in the version. So in version two, its design is not that great, uh, but I wasn't part of that. Uh, but um, version three was what I got to be a part of. Um, that one is still not released yet, but, um, and you can see some, some of the work here. Um, uh, so this is V2, like, as you can see below our mocks of the main layouts for V2, and yes, it's a table, um, but. And, and just so folks are, folks who are not familiar with uh, Tempest Finance, what, what uh, exactly, it's, it's, yes. it's a DeFi yes. protocol, correct? Um, so actually, if you go up, I, I give a brief description of Tempest. So Tempest is a multi-chain, fixed income okay. protocol. It, in, it integrates with lending protocols, staking protocols, and yield aggregators and lets users fix or speculate on the yield generated by them. Um, uh, got it, got so, it, okay. Um, one thing that uh, I really wanted to do, or we wanted to do was of course, not have it be a table. So um, we did take a bit of inspiration and I and it, I, I do want to like uh, emphasize that earlier, I said the majority of DeFi, but that doesn't mean every DeFi project. Um, uh, we, we took inspiration from like a few, um, and we saw, um, that like, instead of tables, maybe we could use cards. So, um, our design is, is, uh, from a UI perspective, uh, for V3, we'll have cards in it. Um, like, uh, so is this the, this is the V2 layout we're looking at right now? And then if you, and that's another one of the okay. key screens, which is a specific pool. Um, and like the major problem with this design, of course, is that it's incredibly overwhelming. It doesn't satisfy any of the major UX laws around. Essentially, it's just it, the cognitive load here is is huge um, in order to make any effective decisions here. Um, but again, this is V2. Um, so V3 will be drastically and dramatically different slash better. So um, I see you're focusing more on the... So the chart. Yeah, this is itself, one example. Right? Of, um, one it, one of the mocks, yes, uh, will have a big chart with like a few KPIs to give the user a summary of how they're performing, how their uh, assets are performing, um, and I think that's something that yeah, like you don't you don't see a lot in DeFi projects, you uh, DeFi protocols. Um, it's just a bunch of numbers and tables, right? And then here is another key screen, and it's the one that replaced the table one. So instead of tables it's yeah a few cards and it's only a few because i yeah i really wanted to minimize cognitive load i feel like so many like as a as a user of the web3 world myself too is just like um so there's already so many DeFi protocols and networks that i have to consider 
then within a DeFi protocol, I have to consider different pools. Oh my gosh, if you're gonna show me a table, I have to, my cognitive load is looking at 10 to 15 at a given, at any given time. That is too much to consider. So here it's like default, the user sees only three. It's like three is, is you know, less of a cognitive load. Um, and, and some sort of default uh, sorting mechanism yeah. by maybe teams like yeah. APR, uh, perhaps, yeah. yeah. Because that, that's probably what the users care about the most, yeah, I'd exactly. imagine. Yeah. Um, it, I, I've heard a lot of like issues in at least the DeFi world and as a user as well have been around transparency as well, just like providing the right yes. Yes. information to users. And I'm, I'm curious how you think about like comprehensiveness of information versus uh, and, and transparency versus uh, selectivity yeah, in terms yeah. of what you display. And what, what are some of the trade-offs there? Um, especially for perhaps you're almost talking to an audience which is less sophisticated than your average trader, at least in terms of kind of DeFi financial acumen and the like. So I, I, I'm, I'm curious about what's, what's that balance in terms of like choosing what to display to them, which almost in itself drives a certain behavior versus showing all the information, which also yeah, drives yeah. a certain behavior. Um, well, I would say just employ progressive disclosure, really. Uh, um, you, you, yeah, you should try to show all the relevant information, but yeah, not at once. Um, so apply progressive disclosure. Like this design, uh, you don't see it right here right now because, well, okay. So I got, like, I don't work with Tempest anymore. So, and when I asked for them to, and I should have done it when I was with them, but um, they didn't send me all the mocks of all the screens that I got to work on. Um, but like, there is a flow here where like you click on a card and then a moto will appear and shows you all additional information. And then you can make a decision after you click on, on next. And then you get to finally make that, uh, like, do I deposit into this or not? Um, I, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, okay. So, but there's, there's another thing you said and that's, um, what was it? Was it on education? Well, the, the thinking was like, so, so what types of decisions do we have to make for users? Um, because ultimately yeah. what they see affects their behavior as well. Right. So there's almost a, I don't want to say it's a ethical implication, but there's an implication in terms of the types of behaviors they will engage in based off of uh, certain UI principles, right? So uh, a famous example is Robinhood, which identifies trading, right? And tries to create additional trading activities uh, because that's the revenue source. Um, there's kind of other UIs, which incentivize other types of behaviors. And what, what, what do you think is like the right balance between um, doing what's right for the company versus what's right for the user, right? So in, in terms of like, and, and is there ever like a, a really strong overlap between that, right? Because ultimately the company, the protocol has its goals of ultimately being sustainable, growing mm -hmm. revenue, et cetera, things like that. But um, sometimes that can lead to, I would say, unhealthy behavior, right? Uh, <laughs> for, for users and, and, and their own kind of maybe financial well-being. 
uh, to a certain degree. But I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, like from a Web3 design, like almost like a Hippocratic oath for Web3 designers, like what, what is your perspective on that? That's a big question. Um, How do you think about um, that? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, we, we can return to it later if we want to go through one or more examples. I just think it's an interesting, um, the, the Web3 designer has a very interesting role within the whole ecosystem because they ultimately surface what's interactable yeah, to, yeah. Uh, um, to a user. I, th I think, uh, yeah, I guess what I'll say to that is just, uh, but see, like it's there's so many nuances to consider. It's like also like not everything in, in Web three is the same, right? Not everything even within the world of fun, the, the, that fungible dimension that I tried to break it down into is the same. Like I would say, Tempest is a fungible one. Claros is a fungible one as well. But Claros and Tempest are two very different things. Tempest is very DeFi focused. It is purely about um, depositing and earning, right? Or or just like making your crypto work for you kind of DeFi project. But Claros is is a DApp that has its own token, of course. And yes, so there is, it's not a DeFi project, but it is a fungible, I, I classify that still as like under the fungible bucket because it's it's got, it primarily in order to interact with the DAP, you gotta use its native token, which is a fungible token, um, right? Uh, uh, but, but like the purpose of it is not to make your crypto work for you in that product. Um, and so like, depending on which kind of project you're talking about, I would say like, yeah, the different kind of, uh, I mean, then like different, um, I, I will have different things to say, but, um, uh, so. Yeah. I was curious, did you want to pick a non-fungible example, Actually, like maybe passage protocol or something like that to talk through as well? Uh, is that one? Yeah. The, 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 the non-fungible. Yeah. That, that's what I meant. Like the, are, are there any non-fungible yeah, sure. so, yeah, projects you want to talk um, about as like well aside from the uh nft marketplaces that i got to work on um which uh, one could argue even um aren't all decentralized um like i think OpenSea is actually not decentralized right um uh but anyway um yeah so that's still a work in progress unfortunately uh but you can see it live on passage.xyz um and this particular product um is actually not like the final end product that that they are slash we are still working on, um, but it is a teaser to that final product. Um, so the NF, the NoCo membership NFT builder um, is is one where you could actually get access to right now. So um, if you click on that button, yeah, um, then you'll see uh, this, and then you can go through it uh, in which. Um, it is a series of forms, but what I've tried to do with the design here is, um, at least design it in such a way that, um, like I, uh, how do I sum it up? Um, doesn't overwhelm the user, doesn't, uh, scare the user away, um, that really like, and, and that creates room for. Well, and, and that is easy to uh, go through. Um, okay, but that sounds like a very generic thing to say. Um, okay, yeah. and, and it basically requires some sort um, of wallet connection and things like that, basically, okay. Yeah, so, so 
And then in the end, you'll be dumped into a, a dashboard um, where you'll get to manage your NFT membership that you've created um, or the passport that you've created for. Got it. So it's like token gating for specific yeah, so like our, communities our initial, and content and things product, like that. But like we Basically. don't just want it to be about token gating. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, oh, sorry. Any, um, any other parts of your portfolio you wanted to talk through as well? And then maybe we could also go into the, um, your Hacker Noon um, article if you if you that, think that's valuable that I think to talk be, through. Yeah. Uh, let me just, I would say, okay. Another one that I, I think is worth talking about is good dollar. Of course, that's, that's my most recent role um, that I'm still with. Uh, and mind you, this portfolio piece that you see here is still work in progress, but I could actually share my screen if that's possible or no, is that not? Oh, it, it's not. Uh, um. I'm not sure if it's enabled, I, I can, but if, if you're able to share uh, um, right now. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Thanks. Um, okay. So uh, happy to open that up. One thing about, though, I want to talk about the non-fungible side of things for a moment here, because I didn't get to say it earlier. And that is, there's something I see gener uh, that I wanted to Im implement with Passage. And I, I think I still could get a chance to implement with Passage. Um, so one thing I think that the the there is an opportunity to design something new, something novel, and something useful on that dimension of Web three. Uh, what do I mean by that? Because because right now, yeah, a lot of what exists on that side is, as you mentioned, either token gating, which is the majority of the NFT membership world or the DAO world, uh, or the NFT marketplaces, but. Um, you know, I kind of feel like that's not really game-changing enough, right? I mean, we still say, oh, because it's the early days, it's the early days. Well, okay, it's like, if we wanted to get out of the early days and we want to move past that, we want to mature, then how do we get there? So um, one, so so something that I've seen in the, the real world, sorry, you know how earlier I saw supply chain and circular economy as a natural alignment with Web3? Well, there's another concept out there that I see that has a natural alignment with Web3. And that is the world of ARGs or alternate reality gaming, not to be confused with augmented reality gaming. Um, so uh, have you heard of that concept before of alternate reality gaming? Sure. Uh, I, ha I have not. Do you uh, mind so sharing a bit ARGs, more about what it is? Uh, AKA unfiction, AKA networked narratives. You can easily Google it. There's a Wikipedia article on, on these concepts. Um, is uh, a new way of storytelling that is a result of the internet. Um, so this way of storytelling is all about uh, using, there's a lot of properties to it, but one of the, some of the key properties are that it's multimedia. Uh, so it could start on like Twitter, for example, but then expand out into YouTube, into uh, even the real world. Um, so for example, if you call a number that was, that someone gave on Twitter or, or that you saw on one of the YouTube videos, that could be an answering machine message where, um, you'll be directed to go to a particular address. You go to the address and maybe on the, in that address, there's a QR code, you scan the QR code, you're taken to a website 
and you interact with that website. To, so that that's like one element is the network is using different mediums to to expose the story to you. Another major element of ARGs that I love is code breaking. So uh, let's say, again, you scan that QR code, you take it to the website, but it's a cryptic website. It's just like maybe one word and it's a black screen behind the one word. And maybe there's like a flashing background animation uh, that glitches in and out. And you're like, oh, there's nothing to do here. What was the point? If you're a plebe, sorry, I, I don't mean to sound, or if you're a person that, didn't, that does, you're, you're noob, sorry, I meant to say noob. Um, and you looked at that and you might be like, oh, there's nothing to do here. I'm gone. Bye. But if you're someone who is familiar with ARGs, you'd be like, no, 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 no. There's a hidden message here somewhere. So maybe you'll go, your first instinct should be to inspect element. You'll inspect element on the website and maybe you'll see that there's a, there's a little, uh, uh, cipher in that's hidden in the code of the website. You take that cipher and you identify that as some kind of existing cipher. There's a number of them that's been used throughout history. Um, and you unravel maybe another cryptic phrase. And then in this cryptic phrase, you have to then, you know, and then, and then through this process of code breaking um, and uncovering clues and stuff, um, you expose more of the story. Um, and then I would say... So, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious, does this tie, um, so, so this is tie more to the NFT world yes. in terms of storyteller storytelling I around NFTs in the and, world of NFTs, and, um, and, and the like, so got it, got it. But I have not seen any project in the web three world employing this. Um, and I think that it should, because the world of ARGs have, has active thriving communities of people I trying to solve these puzzles together. And what is Web3 also all about, right? Communities. And especially the world of NFT memberships is it's all about communities. And so if you're able to embed this into your NFT community, you can have great engagement. I've seen a couple of examples of companies trying to embed stories within NFTs, I think. Um, one of them is Playco's Storyverse. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but basically kind of animated NFT heads, essentially. So you, you can almost create what looks like a like old school, like Monkey Quest RPG game storyline uh, with NFTs on a, a kind of a multiplayer perspective. And then, I don't know, I, that, that may not fully fit within the ARG realm just because it's it's a single screen and the like. The other thing I've seen is some of these decentralized communities around Ooh. NFTs sure. like loot or the like have these kind of hidden hidden messages and the like, and uh, the communities take it forward. And I know I've spoken with Tim Shell before as well about how Right. Uh, communities kind of redirecting yes. and creating their own games and the yes, like. Yes, so yes. maybe that's a, I, I forgot about maybe that's yes. an early example. I, um, I don't know what your take on that is. It is an early example. Uh, agreed. But um, I think they should actually learn about these. And I, I would recommend like one way of learning about ARGs is actually just looking up a YouTube channel called Game Theory. They uncover a lot of these, but like there's other, there's other YouTubers that like um, explain ARGs that go into them. I will say this though, the majority of ARGs out there, existing ones are horror themed and they center around horror video games, <laughs> indie horror video games. No, 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 indie. 
yeah, like uh, so, like Resident Evil. Um, uh, oh the, no, yeah, okay. the F and AF universe, um, which I don't know if you've heard of, has exploded. Right, it started with this one indie video game, and it's now exploded into they're gonna make a movie out of it. Hollywood's gonna make a movie out of it. Actually, I think they already did, but at least but they use different characters, and, and um, it starred. Uh, Maybe a good start is the uh, the solidity tutorial yeah. crypto zombies. Yeah. They, they could turn that into an ARG. <laughs> I this, though. So uh, I code on your screen and then. That uh... world, the ARG world. Um, there is at least one uh, indie video game, horror video game that did incorporate NFTs into their story. However, the way they did it was wrong. The implementation uh, or execution was bad. Um, and it turned off a lot of people in that community. So what they did was at one point, they're like, in order to uncover more of the story, you have to buy our NFTs. But it's like, no, then that, like a lot of the community members are just like, are you kidding me? You're applying this, you're, you're now like making it hard for me to understand more of the story because I have to spend money on it. And it's like, this could put it, and NFT art already has a negative connotation nowadays, right? Like so many of the the, the normies don't, they, they have so many criticisms of, of that world. And so, that was a bad execution. I I think you shouldn't you shouldn't like gate uh, what is it prevent people from uncovering more of the story by forcing them to spend money on an NFT. Instead, you should actually reward people with NFT as they uncover more of the story. Um, that that's that's one way I would say. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So as we as we wrap. Uh, ask you two kind of closing questions. So one, if any, yeah, go ahead. To say about that that uh, world can I, um, is, uh, is yeah, yeah, sure thing. Um, f feel free to okay, just, just, kinda, guess, uh, um, talk about good dollar and, uh, and the like. And yeah. So um, within good dollar, uh, we. I, the product manager I get to work with, uh, her name is Pat. Um, she's the one that actually coined this phrase, uh, but but I, I think, um, uh, I'm, I mean, yeah. Um, so she's the one that coined it um, and it's uh, advocacy design. Um, I think a lot of refi projects, because I would classify Good Dollar as one of the early, uh, one of the first refi projects before refi became a hashtag. Um, and it is uh, all about um, trying to make sure that people I guess it's like baking education in, but it's more about, um, well, yeah, no, 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 no. It's, it's, we should design refi projects in such a way that it advocates for uh, people to um, use it, uh, to, to invest their crypto into it. Um, and it's uh, not, not just about um, showing them and telling them what it is and how it works, but like actually there should be advocacy built into the design. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. T turning users into advocates to a certain degree. Is that, is that fair? Got it. That, that reminds me a lot of spirals protocol and, um, Helena Merck, who I spoke with earlier on one of our earlier episodes where, uh, she was building a product. She's building a protocol, which enables users to stake cello and earn block rewards, take a portion of those block rewards and dedicate them to impact or climate impact projects. So um, just one example, but I, I think there could be many, many other manifestations of that where 
users become advocates. So I think that's definitely a good call out. Um, so uh, yeah, I wanted to go back to my, my uh, two closing questions. So one was around Web3 product design. For any designers out there, how do they get involved with Web3? What, what, what are the most value add activities they can do wow. uh, okay. to get involved? Um, what what are the biggest needs in the space uh, from your perspective? Okay, okay, okay. I, I guess I'll try to say uh, three things here. Um, uh, one is, um, well, no, but then again, it depends on where they come from. I, uh, if, if you're talking about something that's like, I mean, what, one thing I've seen is, is, is the Web2 product designers who uh, have like X big tech experience are able to get a job easily because, um, well, they're able to wear their X Google, for example, as a badge on their LinkedIn and be like, I, I'm an X Googler, so I'm hot shit. So it's easier for them, I think, to get in. Um, but if you're talking about like someone who's either also like a brand new designer too, like not even um, just new to Web3, but new to product design as a whole, uh, then start off with joining some designer DAOs. Uh, there's a lot of Web3 design DAOs um, and, and they could just Google those terms. Uh, they'll find them. Um, Vector DAO, uh, Web3 designer DAO. Literally it's called Web3 designer DAO. Any, uh, yeah, like, I've heard of Vector DAO, any others that um, you'd recommend? There's Web3 designer DAO and okay. there's Web3 designers DAO and there's Web3 design DAO. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's so many. I'm, I'm in every single one of them, but like, well, I mean, most of them, if not all of them, uh, I'm not active in all of them because I, I do not have the time. Uh, you know, it's still an attention economy. Uh, Web3 is also an attention economy, just as Web2 is. Um, uh, the world of life is an attention economy, I would say. <laughs> um, uh, 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 but um, yeah, they could just Google these. And I, I, the one, <laughs> so yeah, the one though that I'm relatively more active in is the one with uh, Jackie in it. Um, so that's, uh, uh, and Jackie, her name is um, J-A-Q-I. Um, and that one is Web3 Designers, the plural version. Um, so yeah. All right, oh, web, web three designers, designers with uh, DAO <laughs> is the one to join. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and sorry, aside from that, they can every variation and, will be um, tried it, out. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, uh, I could share a referral code to um, uh, the, the the one that I love to preach is Brain Trust because um, I was an early uh, user of Brain Trust. They invited me uh, before they became as big as they are today. Um, or I don't know if you think they're big, but uh, the, the marketing is really good now. Um, and yeah, ha happy to share that with our listeners um, in the when we announced the episode as well. Just to uh, uh, we'll, we'll follow up with you, Tian, about that. I, I guess the final question I have for you is: uh, Do you have any asks of our audience? Um, what, what would you want them to do? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, how can they kind of keep in touch um, with your work? Uh, I, I, um, I certainly anything do. Actually, I have one big ask, ask, and that's um. So I mentioned, you know, I'm working on this economy, uh, but I I need help with it, <laughs> um, and 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 so yeah, like uh, I I did say like at a at a high level, this economy is all about uh, circular economics. What does it mean? Um, well, we're trying to put the circular economy on chain. What does that mean? Um, we're trying to build a DAP that uh is all about empowering people to use, sorry, to um be able to own and use uh, any any kind of machine that 
um, can help to create and solidify the circular economy. Um, so what does that mean? Um, well, one of the first use cases is uh, to try to tackle plastic um, or, or plastic waste um, and how we're going to do about do that is, um, okay, I'm, I'm trying to be as fast as I can with this pitch um, because I know time is running short, but um, so there's an existing plastic recycling project out there. It's called Precious Plastic. They're open source. You can Google it. Um, and they have this set of machinery that allows you to basically break down your plastics into teeny tiny pellets. And these pellets can be used for 3D printing, for example, amongst other things. And so it's just like, but you have to purchase this machine and use it, right? And it's just like, I want to be able to empower people with our DAO to be able to, per, to be able to better own and use these kinds of machinery or ob, uh, operations that exist out there for the great multitude of materials that, that need to be uh, circular economized. Uh, not, a, not a verb, but you know what I mean. Um, and, and so, yeah, I would love to have people help me out. Um, and, and like, I would say, uh, the kinds of talent I'm looking for is like, um, actually design if you're, if you're wanting to have your first or, or a good experience designing a DAP, um, uh, that has a social impact spin to it or whatever, uh, not spin, but focus, um, then I would love to talk to you. Um, and then community, if, if you know how to help with like building or fostering community, um, then that's, that's another one. Uh, and then. I would say just marketing slash communications, uh, so social media basically, um, and then apart from that, oh 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 oh, tokenomics. Uh, someone who's an expert on tokenomics um, or crypto economics, uh, and then and I would say developers as well, of course. But like I know developers, like you, uh, you're expensive, and I cannot afford I cannot afford developers right now. Um, uh, uh, and then uh, admittedly, this would be for like um, an equity based role, not a paid role as of right now. But we are trying to raise funds. So, so yeah, don't you worry about that. Um, and yeah, I would say, and, uh, and what's Twitter, the best way of getting in touch with you, Tian? Is it via Twitter? Is it something else? And, um, and, and even, even, you know what, um, I'm, I'm trying to build on my TikTok now, um, and, and Instagram, <laughs> if you want to be close, actually, no, Instagram is only if I guess you want to be like an, a, a friend more yeah so yes yes and, and uh your your uh twitter handle is spider tianz correct got it all right so if, if you're interested in helping out tian reach out to him on at least twitter maybe some other platforms but spider tianz uh, should be able to get you in touch with them um well Thanks again, Dion, for coming onto the podcast. Really appreciate you going through your experience, Web3 Design, ReFi, and the like. Mm -hmm.